This is Linux Unplugged, Episode 6, for September 17th, 2013. Unplugged, a weekly unscripted Linux podcast that's been taking RMS a little more seriously. It's brought to you by our fine sponsor, Ting.com. I'll tell you more about how great Ting is as the show goes on. My name is Chris, and my name is Matt. Hey, Matt. Welcome hey. back from the trip. Thank you. Thank you. Good how, times. How was the trip? It was unbelievable. It was just what the doctor ordered. Oh, I bet. So uh, I, I think I saw your waterfall picture. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah uh, oh, we man. went out to Lake Chelan here in uh, eastern Washington, and it was just amazing. Yeah, I showed that to the kids. They're like, I want to go there. So that's, <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a must do. And you oh. did it just at the right time. It wasn't probably too hot, right? Oh, oh yes, it was. Oh, oh, oh yeah. We, when we got up, first got over the mountains, uh, we were about a hundred and one, I think. Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit, folks. It averaged in the mid nineties the rest of the trip. Oh wow! So I forget, you know, like you were just saying on the pre-show. Uh, there is a whole other side to our state that is like a completely different state. It oh, is, it really is. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating when you go over those mountains, how warm it gets. Well, uh, we got a big show. Guess what? Big, big show. show. Uh, so this week, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about losing the flame for Android. Uh, if you followed this week's Coda Radio, you probably know where I'm talking about. But we're going to get into it on this. Backing up a Linux server in a set-it-and-forget-it way. I'd like to maybe uh, pick the Mumble server, uh, their brain, uh, folks on the Mumble server. And then, uh, of course, we got our feedback and our follow-up, as always. Times. But nothing planned. Nothing planned. Nothing I'm just planned. saying. Nope. I'm just saying. So why don't we just why don't we bust through some quick fu? That's what I'm labeling the follow up is fu. <laughs> the fu segment. The All fu right. segment, and uh, the, the probably the first thing. Uh, oh, you know what I need? I need like an fu uh, segment here. Let's see. Maybe this could be our fu segment bump. He's a jackass. What do you, what do you think? You that think works. I you know I think it's short, <laughs> sweet, and it's uh, to the point. So. All right. Well, so I uh, remember last week during the news segment on the Linux Action Show, we were saying that uh, System D uh, number build two hundred seven is coming to to all of uh, distributions near you that run System D, and right. that there was that Etsy systl dot file that I was wondering if Arch users were going to get bitten by. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I speculated out loud in the uh, on, in the show, and we had a few people write in and uh, tell us uh, what's up with that, and and, it, and they pointed us to the source of all knowledge in Arch, and that is the Arch Wiki, and actually in this case, it's the news section. Uh, uh, and it is. You will have a little bit of work to do if you've been using it, but however, if you have a fairly recent installation, you probably don't have anything in there. There is a, a symlink you need to do if you do have config info in there, and if you don't, just go look at that file, and if you really haven't set anything in there. You don't have to worry. Good times. I love that. I love the fact that their wiki really spells it out in a real clean, easy to follow way. Yeah, following the Arch News, and there's also a mailing list you yeah. can follow is always a good step. Cool. I um I don't always check before I before I before I run it, uh, but I I generally try to. And we're gonna have a we're gonna have an email um, coming up a little bit later in the show about the Arch Challenge again, King back up. And so I thought we'd cover that and let people know. Uh, There's also another uh, email. Actually, this was a bit message we got. And they said, in the last episode of last, you talked about note-taking programs, which, by the way, some people loved, Matt, and then some people hated. Some people were down with it. Well, you know, no. some people take notes and other people have that mega memory thing going on. So yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but one that didn't get mentioned, and so our bit messenger wanted to make sure I gave it a shout-out, is Cherry Tree. 
Cherry Tree, I think, has gotten some love on the show. I want to say it might have been a pick at one point. Cherry mm-hmm. Tree Notes is great, though. And it's got it's got its own good uh, like it supports rich text formatting. It's got its own uh, syntax you can uh, you can follow. And uh, I have not actually uh, used it beyond like you know trying it out to see if it would do my what I wanted. For, I don't remember what it was about it that didn't quite grab me. Maybe it was the way it implemented X, Y, and Z or whatever it was. Sure, the UI actually to be honest with you. Could be. It's, it's, it's sometimes with note taking. Part of it is like. Um, you know, you got to work in this space. You got to live inside sure. this application. So, well, I know UI is a big. It's an important part of your space because it's you know you you're very UI centric, and so for me, it's a lot of times of you know can I I don't know ham fist through it, and a lot of times I'll put up with a lot of that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm looking at it now, and it's honestly, I don't. It doesn't look so bad. You know, it definitely kind of has a QT feel to it. So yeah. So I thought um, uh, one last bit of follow up that I wanted to get to. Uh, because I wanted a spot to talk about this where people wouldn't be like, oh, you guys are just saying this because they sponsor you, right? Sure. And that is today, the new System76 rig was launched. Now, remember last oh, week, yeah. we said they're going to have a new Leopard Extreme coming. They're calling it, the, right. I think they're calling it like the uh, Leopard X4, the Leo X4. I'll, I'll pull it up here while we talk about it. Um, so System76 sponsors Linux Action Show, but they don't sponsor this show. No. Um, but we are both personally fans of System76. That's one of the reasons we were able to twist their arm to come on board. Oh, yeah. And so they updated today their Leopard Extreme rig, man. Have you had a chance to look at this thing? I was looking through it, and it's just like – I mean, first of all, the first tip I would give anyone looking at the pictures is pry your face off the screen so you can actually take in the images. Yeah. Because I was so busy trying to like throw my money at the screen and get it – you know, like get, trying to like make it materialize in front of me that I wasn't able to fully appreciate it until I pulled away a little bit. And I – Looking at it, it looks really powerful. I've already it done a few awesome. builds. Yeah, it's, they're using a, a Corsair um, um, uh, water cooling solution. Oh, I've, yeah. I've used this similar water cooling solution and it's really cool because what it does is it's not very complicated. It just runs to a radiator, mm-hmm. I believe. I, I'm guessing based because I have a similar model. It runs to a radiator that's connected to your 120-millimeter fan in the back of the case. Right. And so it's it just uses the regular case cooling to cool it, so you don't have to have like a radiator sitting on top of the rig. Um, and and so this to me is one of those things where I think the first reaction a lot of people are going to have is it's probably too expensive because it is a it's a highly priced machine. It's for it's a high end machine for folks that want high end performance and a high end experience without having to monkey with something themselves. I think that's the real differentiator. Yeah, this is, is that, a this is a total yeah. pro level machine. So like here, I, I thought I'd so if I was going to build a machine. I would get the six-core, fourth-gen Intel i7, which runs right. at 3.4 gigahertz. I would get 32 gigs of RAM, uh, probably because if I'm going to have a machine this nice, I also want to uh, play video games, and I also use oh, yeah. GPU-accelerated <laughs> functions. So right. they have an NVIDIA graphics card here that has a fif- uh, um, uh, 1,500 CUDA cores. Uh, that would be the one I'm going to go with. Kind of expensive, but I, I could use that. Um, I would probably not go right. I'd go a 240-gigabyte SSD for the primary hard mm-hmm. drive, and then maybe like... Uh, I'd probably keep it as tight as I needed. Three terabytes would probably be enough for my working space for my scratch. Oh, um, yeah. You know what would be awesome with this, too, is if you're someone that does a lot of VMs, like, simultaneously, mm, and you just mm-hmm. don't care about – you don't want to have to think about, do I have too many running or whatever, that would be fantastic. Anything that's really performance-intensive. It actually clocked in less yeah. than I thought, uh, 30, uh-huh. at $3,059. Oh, right? that's actually a lot less so than now I thought. I would have figured four. I'm going to go to apple.com slash store. And the reason why is because I'm comparing this Leopard Extreme to the Mac Pro. I think this right. is for content creators, is for people who want, um, you know, like I, I, if I'm a plumber, I get myself a real special kind of, exactly. of plumbing This is not utility, to compare right? the Mac Mini right. 
to uh, the no. electric extreme. So this is to prepare. Yeah. I would go a slightly slower processor, but I would go sure. two cores. Uh, mm-hmm. Or uh, uh, this is yeah, six core. Now this is a Xeon, thirty-two gigs of RAM. Okay. Um, let's go. We can't do. We'll do a five. You're already without even going to step two at sixty-one ninety-nine. No, and I'm at seventy-five hundred. Wow! <laughs> Holy crap! And the thing looks like a trash can. So, well, no, that's we don't even know what the price of that one's going to be. But my point oh, is, yeah. is this Leopard Extreme is this is a professional's computer. This is yeah. something that I, you know, if Chris buys, he writes off on his taxes, right? This is that's exactly. what this is now. Is this even the next gen uh, Mac yet, or is this the still? No, one that's the old like, one. That's the old one. Oh, so this is the one that looks like a computer. Okay. Yeah, but I think this because it's it's got it's a tower, so it has PCI Express slots available to you, where the new trash can doesn't. Like I think as more people move to Linux for certain functionality, I've been looking at a new generation of media production apps. Uh, one that just hit the subreddit today. It's an audio editing application. It's in beta. I've been keeping an eye on it. Um, and then another one that a video editing application that hit the subreddit a couple of days ago. That is, yes, once again, another video editor, but I actually edited a mock episode of Linux Unplugged in that video editor last weekend. And I, it actually wasn't perfect. It definitely wasn't as fast as uh, my current workflow, but it was the closest I've ever gotten to taking non-native Linux codecs. These were ProRes codecs, bringing them into a Linux editor, assembling it the way I need it with the music cues and the transition spots. And, and then export it out to a file, a master uh, uh, file that I can then encode on the distributed machines that produce all the different file formats. Um, it, it like actually the whole process from end to end actually happened in this in this environment, like on a Linux box. It was amazing. And so we're definitely very close to the point where if I changed a few behaviors and if I changed a, wor- a few workflow things and I was willing to live with maybe a little less quality, maybe, you know, silly things too, like not as, ni- not as nice transitions, maybe a reduction in audio quality slightly because right. this didn't have any audio uh, processing. Um, we are at the point where I, I actually think this could all be done on Linux. And that's pretty exciting because then it starts, you start looking at this like this Leopard Extreme and now it's actually like, you know, we're really, really close. Um, sure. And I think I could do 70% of it today on that. So I'm really excited about it. I, I'm going to, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready because honestly, the Bonobo uh, with its, I mean, the thing has two hard drives. So my okay. IO problem is solved. They're both SSDs. It's it's a core i7. It's got 16 gigs of RAM. So the Bonobo has done so well. So I'm, I'm like, do I just run it on the Bonobo or do I maybe do this towards the end of the year as like a, you know, 2013 taxes thing? I don't know. But I'm really excited about it. I, I say hats off to System76. The Leopard Extreme, I think people are going to think I'm, th- I think I'm crazy for saying this, but I think it looks like the best computer for Linux for this year, maybe even 2014. Oh, that's not even a question. I mean, you just look, I mean, as you just did the comparison with the Mac, there was no question there at all. And then, of course, as far as knowing the machine is going to be built to the specifications you want and everything just works. It's got a solid warranty. The company's been around for a long time. It's just a win-win. So. Yeah, it looks really good too. I like the yeah, look of it too, the size. And, anyways, really excited. And uh, I emailed them asking them for a demo unit. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> well, I know that would be fantastic. Their inventory is tight, and they're building a lot of them in the U.S. now, and that makes it even yeah. tighter. So, well, I, I know it's it might not happen, but I thought I'd, I'd put it out there. Yeah, doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. All right, Matt. Well, before I get to uh, what's been troubling me this week, deep down <laughs> on the inside, and why I think maybe RMS has been right all along, and we just haven't been receiving his wisdom. And now I'm rethinking everything. I want to talk about our sponsor this week. And that, my friends, is Ting.com. Look, if you go to linux.ting.com, we've got a landing page for you. Built just for you. Customized 
just for you. Now, Ting is mobile that makes sense. They're a completely new way of doing mobile, and they give me a lot of hope for the future of this industry. First of all, probably the biggest differentiator, no contracts, no early termination fees, and you pay for what you use. So you get a line, it's $6 a month. If you use 100 minutes, you end up just going to that 100-minute bucket, and that's what you pay. Ting takes your minutes, your megabytes, and your messages, and they add them all up at the at the end of the month. And if you're like me, and you're a little bit savvy on your voice, some months I squeak away with hardly any voice minutes at all, and my bill is about as low as it can get. It's usually in the 12 to $15 range. Average price, average bill on Ting for a Ting customer is $22, so or $21, I'm sorry. Uh, so, you know, it's a pretty reasonable price. It's not only that, but they have a good range of phones from... Pre, uh, pre-owned phones that you can get at a great discount, feature phones, and also high-end uh, phones like the HTC One, which is, is has fantastic speakers, which is great for podcast listening, but also has incredible uh, screen, which is great for watching content like our shows. So when you go over to Ting, you might notice if you play around that they've got some shots of their dashboard. That's actually what their dashboard looks like. It is legitimately that beautiful. It is legitimately that easy to use, and it is very functional. You can do everything from porting a phone, deactivating a phone, buying a phone, transferring a phone, anything for their website. Matt, what was your impression? You know, you're on Ting, too. You got I, you got the Note, too. What was that process like, setting that up on, on the Ting website? Setting it up was surprisingly simple. I was amazed that even though I had to release the phone from its original owner, which was you, that only took like a couple seconds uh, just using their help file. And once that was done, the actual setup process, I think, was under like a two minutes, minute and a half. It was something crazy. I didn't have to talk to anybody, even though you can get a real person if you do. Yeah. But it was awesome. It was so easy. Yeah. Ting, uh, Ting also has a great blog where they're actively posting the stuff that they think people that are Ting users might be interested in because the Ting customer base, I think, is a little savvier than your average bear. And so here's five things you didn't know your smartphone could do. Matt, this is totally, totally oh, up your nice. alley. Remotely control your electronics. They highlight uh, these Belkin uh, Wemo switches that integrate with uh, oh, an dude, app. That's awesome. Yeah, oh, so you can control your, your different devices. Uh, scan high-quality documents. Play laser tag. And here's one that I really like. Measure the speed of a moving object. They talk about this app called Speed Gun that lets you uh, you take Speed Gun, you point it at something that moves across the, the frame, and it tells you mm-hmm. how fast that thing is moving. How cool now, is that? back up a notch, and you said... They have la- you can do laser tag. They have an article telling you this. This is yeah, cool. Yeah, they got laser tag. They got laser tag. Yeah, it's called uh-huh. App Tag, and it's designed uh, nice. to let you play. La- yes, the Ting blog is awesome. But one of the things that I caught on the Ting blog recently is they are doing early termination fee relief. So if you're in mm. a contract now and you really want to get out and you want to start saving money, you want to move over to Ting because you love that included hotspot, you love that included tethering, you love the fact that they don't bundle anything along that you wouldn't expect, you love the transparent nature of the company, and you love what they're about, maybe you want to get out of that contract a little early, now Ting's going to help you with that. They're going to take up to 75% off of that early termination fee. So all you have to do, you get your Ting phone, you activate it, and then you send them your ETF claim, and they'll, they'll cut you a check right there, or actually maybe a credit. But think about that. Think about how awesome that is. It helps not only relieve the blow of having to cancel that contract, but then it just increases the amount of money you're going to save on the long run by switching to Ting. So go to linux.ting.com. Take $25 off your first device or $25 off your first month of service if you're going to bring your own device. In fact, they even have a concierge service to help find a used device for you so you can get a great deal on a device. I love that. And if you've got somebody maybe in your family that doesn't want a very powerful phone, you can still bring them on, have a shared family pool of minutes with unlimited lines, and you can just give them a feature phone because Ting has some great feature phones. Yes, they're still a thing. They're out That's there. That's so awesome. Ting's got them, including some of the best Android devices. So thanks to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Dun, Good dun, stuff. dun. So one of the things that uh, RMS warned us about, Matt, was yes. that TiVo... It's negative in the freedom 
dimension. Remember, he was quite concerned <laughs> about the TiVoization of Linux. Yes. And he was, in fact, yeah. you could say that maybe, you know, that was a huge inspiration for a lot of, of the provisions in the GPL3. I think so. I think that was definitely something that they forced them to take a second look well, at that. And and now we're looking back at it and it's like, oh my God, he's right on a lot of stuff. I think it, I think the TiVoization, I think what TiVo has done to Linux is quaint and adorable in comparison to what Android has done to Linux. I think what has happened where you have an open source operating system where the core is open and then there's layers of stuff on top of it that are Apache licensed and then there's layers mm-hmm. on top of that that are just commercially, you know, whatever their commercial proprietary license is. And then mm-hmm. Google takes this, all bundles it all up and hands it out to these OEMs that then inject their proprietary code at the firmware level, at the radio level, at the OS kernel level, at the user land space level, and even in the services level with the cloud service that these things connect to. Every single layer, we take this open, open source operated open platform and we inject this proprietary code and lockdown into it at all different levels. We bastardize this thing. We make it an embarrassment of the original intent, and then we ship it as a product out to consumers. And then to make matters worse, not only have we developed one of the most incredible, fast-moving open-source projects that has thousands of intelligent contributors making the thing better every single day, but we managed to figure out a way to ship a product running that that doesn't receive updates. That's right. And people are excited to get new ones. You know, that are literally oftentimes running the same OS as the phone they just had. So uh, I'm I'm at a point now, and I think it's one part NSA-inspired uh, fear-mongering. Because like, maybe it just has me thinking about cloud services in a different perspective, right? I think it ha- – yeah, I think it, for you it has a lot to do with that. I think it has a lot to do with I want to find devices and tools that complement my desire to internalize my own personal cloud in my own LAN, not sure. outside of it. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Create your own mm-hmm. cloud. Um, and I, so I, I think I'm not, I don't want to start this off to, to slam Android because I think Android is a really great solution for a lot of people that offers a lot of great features over the other alternatives. Let's take the number one alternative, iOS. And let's yeah. just, you know, here's a great one off the top of my head, swapping out the keyboard. We were talking about this on the pre-show. The oh. fact that, the fact that iOS still has this, this ridiculous keyboard, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of an embarrassment, right? So I'm not – I don't mean to demean Android or demean anyone who chooses it to use it as their mobile platform because I think there's a lot of merit to the platform. However, I have to bring up issues with what, what Google – I think Google has been a bad steward of this operating system. I think they have left consumers in vulnerable positions. I think it is not an exaggeration to call year-old Android devices exploits in the pocket. I think that's exactly what they are. But – and I acknowledge there are power user solutions to this, like replacing ROMs and other things, but they are not a solution for the majority of people. So I want to couch this by saying I'm about to get a little ranty on Android, sure. but I don't, I don't want anyone to take that as judgment because I, I, I'm not saying there's a perfect solution here. But I, I'm looking at this now, Matt. Um, so this last week in the Linux Action Show, I, I ended the, the Android app picks. I didn't say anything to you because it was just something internally to me. That, like, I just mm-hmm. knew I was done doing this. Right, right. right. And I said in the show, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to make a big stink about it in the uh, Linux podcast of record in the big show. But I said in the show that I didn't feel like I need to evangelize this platform anymore. Yeah, I remember. And it was, it was for me, it was because I knew nothing really any backstory to it. It was very sudden, and I figured it must have been okay. Maybe he's just burnt out on talking about apps. Okay, you know that's cool. So I, I feel like it's probably. It's it's deeper than that. I, I think I've been rethinking cloud services. I've been rethinking the treatment of this open platform by the carriers, 
by the OEMs and by mm-hmm. Google. Um, in fact, I have a I have a quote here from RMS that I I you know it's been interesting as some of this stuff has come out either be the either be the NSA stuff or looking at the situation with Android. A lot of stuff that RMS said a while ago actually rings true with me now. Um, and he was just kind of ahead of us. And so here, here's the point. So uh, in an interview by The Guardian, Richard Stallman was asked whether Android should be considered free or open, right? Sure. So RMS uh, responds with, uh, Google has complied with the requirements of the GNU general public license for Linux, but the, uh, but the Apache license on the rest of Android does not require source release. Google has said it will never publish the source code for Android 3.0, aside from the Linux component. And even though executables have been released to the public, Android 3.1 source code is also being withheld. Thus, Android 3, apart from Linux, is non-free software, pure and simple. Android is a major step towards an ethical, user-controlled, free software portable phone, but there is a long way to go. Hackers are working on Replicant, but it's a big job to support a phone model. Uh... I'm sorry, a new phone model, and the remain and and then there remains the problem of the firmwares. Even though Android phones of today are considerably less bad than Apple or Windows smartphones, they cannot be said to respect your freedom. And the part that I challenge there is, I was start, I think one of the things that sort of started to shift my perspective on this is I watched and it, I watched it happen in our community, and I watched it happen on the internet in general. When the iPhone 5s was announced, everybody took to the web proclaiming that the fingerprint scanner was an NSA mass collection device. Sure. And that this would be used to track iPhone users' fingerprints. But I didn't see the same outcry when Android face detection launched or when the Moto X launched with always listening capabilities. Well, let me ask you this, and I'm asking this from someone that's not familiar with what's mandatory, what's not. On the iPhone, is that a mandatory feature or, or an optional feature? Optional. Okay, and on the Android, is that a mandatory feature or an optional feature? Uh, for the face unlock? Yeah. Optional. Okay. Both are optional. So, Both are so optional. It's from that perspective, I, I, I award Darwin awards to people that choose to use them. <laughs> you know right, well, yeah, like, there's that, right? At, yeah. at that point, and there's, there's, like, a, there's, a, you know there's, there's a whole series of issues like, uh, like Wire pointed out, like pleading the fifth when you use your fingerprint or your face to unlock. But well, I, I think my point was is people – I feel like our community doesn't think critically about these things. Like one's no, always don't. good, one's always evil. I would say that by and large that's true, but I think it, I think it's we look at the lesser two evils, like mo- most people do politically. I think at, at that, I think, and that's, and I don't, I don't support that idea, but I think that's kind of where we're at. And so, for each individual one of us, the most powerful thing we can do is to have the discussion we're having now, talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the choices that each one right. of us need to reflect on to make I the agree. decisions that's right for us. I, I think you know, I, I'll get yeah. some crap because I was particularly hard in Coda Radio, um, sure. but really, I think it's being just intellectually honest with your yourself reanalyzing this stuff and you know making sure that it all it all checks out you know passes the sniff test so i i think you nailed it i think it's picking the less of two evils right and i think some of us sort of assume google is less of two evils because well google does summer of code and google also often mentions things are open and i love open and they're better at marketing to geeks quite frankly right right yeah and and, and their slogan is don't be evil (laughs) <laughs> so, you can't go wrong there, right? Yeah, I mean, so your first impression is okay. They're probably good guys, uh, but I, I, I just, I think that is not necessarily the case. I think there's a case to be made that that is a misplaced amount of trust. But I want to back up a little bit because the way I open it, so there's not a great solution either way. And you've recent, well, not recently, but a little while ago, you switched from the iPhone to Android. 
Absolutely. Yep. And as far as a system functionality level goes, that's, I mean, to you, it must have seemed like a pretty big upgrade. It was a, it was a huge upgrade. And my motivation, honestly, I, for a long time, because I've, you know, you want to go back far enough. I was on very early versions of uh, Windows Mobile, then, of course, later on BlackBerry and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And then I tried this whole iPhone thing, and it was just a, a total wake-up call, especially with, from the browser and all this sort of stuff and being free of a keyboard. It was a, it was a great experience for what it was. Uh, iPhone 1, iPhone 2, 3, and 3G. And then at the by the time 3G rolled around, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of done. And uh, you know, my wife went four, and I actually went with an Android phone. And it was just like someone pulled the pull, like pulled a uh, kidnapper's hood off my face when I tried the Android. It's like, oh my god, there's widgets and control, and I can make adult decisions with my phone. Holy mm-hmm. crap! It's like there's I, a I file like, system in here. There's a file system. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it appealed to someone that wanted to really. Play, you know, with the underpinnings of their phone a little more. If you want to, you know, mm-hmm. root it or whatever. To get that functionality with an iPhone, I would have to actually jailbreak it, and I never wanted to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I've been looking at it from the standpoint of a privacy aspect, and mm-hmm. I, I think, I think the iPhone has a better argument here. Um, I, I feel like there, there and it comes down to uh, kind of a, almost like a fundamental corporate philosophy. Mm-hmm. I feel like Android is sold to. So the goal of selling Android, and this is why Google literally gives it away, right, sure. is because they really want to eventually sell Google services. That is true. And and arguably, people would point out that Apple is not motivated in doing that right now. Right. I would counter with Bull. Jobs, Steve Jobs has passed on. Cook is absolutely going to keep that company competitive. And in order to do that in the coming years, you damn well better believe they're going to mimic Google's model. It sure. will happen. I, but yeah, here's the difference, happen. right? So here's the difference yeah. is – they're making the iPhone, and as a checkbox on that on that box or on that spec sheet, they sure. have this companion iCloud service. Right. Google is the cloud, and they mm-hmm. make Android to connect you to it. So Apple is making the iPhone to sell you a overpriced piece of hardware. Uh-huh. Google is making Android to sell you their cloud services. But the problem mm-hmm. here is those cloud services rely on extracting as much information about you as possible, logging that information. And because they are a U.S. held company, this is where the NSA paranoia comes in. Yeah. Anything they learn about you is subpoenable by the FBI, That's whoever true. needs to get it, right? So, and arguably, Apple is not a threat in that regard yet. You know, and I think, this, but I think today. even as they begin to roll, roll, ramp out more and more of those features, yeah. it still comes down to a the basic alignment of the priorities of the company. Apple's a hardware manufacturer. They live and die on making that hardware. All of their margins are on hardware. They give away all of the software because they don't make any money on it. We're talking about a company right. that makes billions and billions and billions, hundreds of billions even, on selling little gadgets. Google sure. makes its billions on selling advertising. That's 100% accurate. No, absolutely true. But I would also point to the evolution of – and I hate to keep bouncing back to Apple, but it, you know, it's part of the conversation. Uh, Apple computers wasn't always just Apple. It used to be Apple computers, and they evolved. They had to change their model. They were no longer just about selling, you know, the, selling an Apple computer. They were moving into complete – more of a – I would argue a more of a services-based experience, whether it be iTunes or iThis or iThat or whatever. Um, and I think uh, the iCloud stuff – and I think that over time we're going to see them – I would even say probably within at no no later than two years from now become on par with what Google's doing. So, I would be, you know, you know, I think you might be right. So if you lock yourself into that ecosystem, 
Yeah, you buy yourself a little time, but but are they truly going to? Do you trust Jim? You know, do you trust Cook enough that you're going to believe that he's going to tell you, "Hey, by the way, we're changing everything around, and we're going to start doing this this stuff behind the scenes." Probably not. I think I think I might be a heretic in this room, but I think I trust Tim Cook more than I trust uh, the Google Boys. I really do. And like, uh, I'll give I'll give you an example. Let's just say all of this information that Google is collecting on us never is used against us, is never mm-hmm. leaked, is never is never right. given to the authorities. It's never used to build a creepy database about knowing what you want before you know it. It's never anything like that. What yeah. happens when the next regime comes in and they have all of that data? They have access to all of that information. They have oh, all absolutely. of that there. It's yeah. going to get twisted. And, you know, the other thing that I, I, I want to get – I want to just mention before it leaves the, the chat log is GQ in the chat room. GQ it says mm-hmm. Android is open source and iMessage is backdoored. Well, how do we know that? Because what we actually have do- documented is that iMessage creates and uh, has a key on both ends and the messages are encrypted between the two parties. That's what we know about iMessage. What we know about Hangouts with the comparable on Android is we know everything on Hangouts goes through Google and is logged by Google. That's what we know. Those right. are things we know there. And you can't call Google open because it's completely locked down by the carriers, right? Sure. And the other thing is, when you say the iPhone is more locked down, everybody's always talking about the App Store, right? Oh, well, the iOS App Store is super locked down. Well, you know what? I'm the jackass that just got a crap ton of spyware on his Android device because I installed a $5 Star Trek application. Oh, right. Geez. So maybe that is a little reasonable on a, on a right. phone that's meant so I can call my wife to see how the kids are doing. Maybe that is partially mm-hmm. reasonable. But also, if the measuring stick for what makes a platform open or closed is how you load apps, if you can sideload apps or not, or who gets mm-hmm. into the Android app store, then let's talk about Ubuntu Touch and Firefox OS because those would also be considered lockdown because they don't even have an app store. The True. only there is open as Safari is on iOS or Chrome is on Android, right? HTML5, baby. It's an HTML5 app. That's open. There's yeah. your openness. And so, I think that's really where the focus needs to be is less about Apple, less about, you know, if, if Android's, you know, a concern for folks. And believe me, I get it. I understand that. I just I just don't buy into that Apple's going to be wholesome for two years down the road. I, I think that's crap. I think at some point they're going to, I just if they want to be competitive and get onto that whole uh, database tit that everybody's making all the money on, I think they're going to have to jump on at some point. But for now, they're not. I get that. But I think the HTML5 stuff, I think that's where people need to be looking. I think you're spot on with that. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm not. Again, I mean, I'm not like throwing my HTC One in the garbage. But sure. I just want to. I just want to throw a few things back at people and just get them to think about this a little more because I look at like trying to move away from Google now, and I think mm-hmm. about in a lot of ways, I'm kind of locked in here. I got my contacts syncing through Google. Right. I got my calendar syncing through Google. All of these cloud services in a form are a type of data lock-in. And, and even if you liber- go to data liberation, whatever the hell it is that Google offers, they still retain that information. So that's legitimate as well. Well, you think what? Then yeah. you get it in like some big old file, and it's just a pain. Right, and you got to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. I I just I just wanted to put the brakes on everybody and say, okay, think about this a little bit, because you know, I uh, I had an iPhone over the weekend playing with iOS seven to talk about it on Coda Radio on Monday. I actually thought it was, um, I thought it performed better than uh, any Android device I've used. Um, I hadn't used iMessage before. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think iMessage is great. I think it's. I, I think it's all. I th- actually thought. I actually thought it was a fantastic user experience. I thought the battery life was way better than I expected. I I, right. I couldn't believe how good the battery life was. And and to be honest with you, when I'm looking at the two, I think. I think we I don't think you can really be mad at anybody for choosing one platform over the other because I think they no. both have this long list of disadvantages. 
Sure. No, we, and we're we in my household as as in yours, we run all of them. So I totally get you. No, I think for me, it's that I you know I look at iOS seven and it's like, oh look, I should put on my Stussy t shirt and get my TNC Surf Shop gear because I'm looking at freaking you know this neon mess. It kind of <laughs> it know? kind of does have yes. elements of like oh, iOS is Vista. It's like it's Just, like they're Vista uh, of iOS a little bit, so, right? Yeah. So if I wear sunglasses, I can enjoy the performance. I mean, it's just it's you know. I, <laughs> well, you just I wait. To, That's going to make it everywhere else. You just wait. Everybody's I know it is, and then and then all the Linux distros are going to start mimicking. I know. It's oh gonna man, that's going to yeah. be awful. All right, I'm so, harsh on it. I'm harsh on it. I want to see uh, mumble room. You guys have been quiet. I know this is something we kicked around on the pre-show. What do you guys think? Am I just off my rocker here? Am I am I am I losing it? That was to you, mumble room. Definitely not losing it at all. Uh, uh, like I said in a previous one, they do lock you down with the ecosystem. Both sides, though, right? You get locked into play. Using yeah. gasoline, though, I experienced that now. It's a necessary yeah. evil in many ways. That's interesting. It's like using gasoline. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, see, at the end of the day, you have to choose what's best for you and your condition, your situation. You can't have ideology around very critical aspects of your life. Yes, if you believe Android is better for certain reasons, you use that. But uh, if iOS offers you something that you absolutely need, uh, you can't just uh, abandon it. You can't just ignore it because you believe in something. So I think you have to choose uh, what's best for you at the end of the day. At the end, you know. Yeah, that's rational. Yeah, Yeah, very rational point. I mean, I actually have a specific analogy that I use to describe an Apple product. It's good. akin to having a stake in your front yard and your chain to the stake on your front yard. And if within this radius, you are happy. But if you ever want to get out of this radius, <laughs> you will never, ever get out of this bubble. But in it, it's pretty. What about... But as soon as you ever want to get out, you're screwed. Yeah, okay. I mean... I think, but I feel like they both, you know, even like BlackBerry does that to an extent. But what yeah. about my, what about my issues around as a Linux user, I'm a little incensed that they're taking my baby and they're making it a whore, a two dime whore at that, a two bit whore. I mean, do you, am I way Apache, off on that? Yeah. What do you guys think? Apache allows anything. But I mean, if we were going to get upset about what TiVo did, how come we're not upset about what this, what's happening here? Because I think we're being, I think Android and any, any, I won't even say Android. I think any passionate mobile operating system experience that we're passionate about spoon feeds us BS and sunshine to a point where we're fat, dumb, and happy. And so, regardless of what mobile platform you're in, if it involves an app store and some level of vendor lock in, you're, you're so in, into that because you're enjoying the experience, you're really not interested or even that concerned about the negative side of it. I, I know I fall into that category. I'm, a, I'm aware of it. I try because I like to be educated. I just can't get myself to care enough to, to do anything about it. That's a terrible thing to say, but it's true. That's why I'm, I'm happy with Android despite knowing the fact that I've been indexed and Dewey decimal systemed by Google. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I almost feel yeah. like the rational thing to do in, in, when, I, when I sort of weigh all the pros and cons and I go into more yeah. depth on Coda Radio is I kind of feel like jump off Android and wait for a couple of years for Firefox OS to get rocking and, you know, mm-hmm. wait for it to get a good messaging application, wait for it to get WebRTC integrated, wait for, uh, you know, some kind of ecosystem to build up around it and then get a Firefox OS phone and then just be like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live here. Or, or Ubuntu. TiVoization is important because a lot of TVs and embedded devices run Linux, whether we know or not. It's allowed yeah. the use of many, like it to spread to many factors of our life without us even knowing our sure. cars it would never be able to be put in a what is that new electric awesome car the uh, tesla. tesla 
Yeah. Yeah, the Tesla. We'd never have the Tesla running Linux if it wasn't Tubalizable. Right. Yeah. yeah. But see, but think Tivo about open source. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the TiVo issue is also uh, TiVo never acknowledges Linux is there, whereas Google does actually acknowledge it, but just they don't market it. Sure. Yeah, but remember, I mean, remember what just happened with the Chromecast. I mean, that that's disappointing. That is not encouraging when it's just basically a bare Ubuntu, uh, a Linux installation. I think it might have been Ubuntu based or Ubuntu based with a binary named Chromecast running. Or Gen 2, that's what it was, Gen 2. With a binary running, the, that's the Chromecast app. It was a Linux box. It's a Linux device. Yeah. Why not promote that to make – I mean because the, if they base their, st- their stack on Linux, then doesn't it benefit them to show how Linux can be used in like all of these different use cases? Like it seems like it's not just good for Linux, but it's good for them too. Not so from a marketing mistaken, perspective, no. If I'm not mistaken, it's a yeah, it is a marketing thing, right? The Chrome, yeah. the Chrome ideology is that it's easy to use. So if they call it a Chromecast, not like a Linux cast. It then sounds okay. like it's this easy-to-use thing that sort of relates to the web. And so it um, relates to the Chrome streaming thing, because a lot of what they do is they stream from the Chrome browser to that um, device. So they want to make it sound like the two products are linked, is sort of my um, understanding. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. From like a, okay, okay. Yeah, from like a, oh, I know what that is kind of standpoint. Well, to give you an example, yes. I work for a company that uh, recently went through a name change. And, of course, the original name no one ever heard of, but the brand name, people are well aware of it. And, you know, we don't – all the branding efforts go into the, the, the flagship product name and the fl- flagship brand name versus the, tech, the underlying technology behind it because, honestly, no one cares. Yeah. Geeks might care, but Joe User doesn't give a flying rip. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of Windows users, you ask them, oh, well, what version of Windows do you have? I don't know. I got the one that came on my computer. They don't have a clue. I have an HP or I have a Dell. You know, that's, that, that's the brand that they've been taught to associate with. So I think that's the same thing yeah. with Google. Hmm. It's yeah, really the same thing. And there's still there's still that that uh, you know mindset uh, that oh it runs Linux oh it's it's you know yeah it's, you know just for hackers it's just for command exactly. line and all this other stuff and yep. uh, which is obviously wrong but uh, I mean, yeah you I'm get sure a Windows Power cool. user aware of it and then they start spreading thought everywhere thing absolutely is, yeah thing is the thing about open source is that you don't actually have control over what somebody else does with it. If True. Chrome disagrees with what Cinnamon is doing, they can't stop it. If uh, Ubuntu disagrees with what Elementary OS is doing, they have no say in it. So similarly, if somebody takes a Linux kernel uh, under the under legal li- licenses or whatever and does whatever to it, nobody else has a choice. To, nobody else can stop it because it's open source. They have the option to modify it and use it as they see fit. You know, I agree. That, that yeah. is. Okay, let me give you another aspect of of Android that's bothering me. And I've mentioned this before on previous shows, but it goes back to the original getting into the carriers. So, I, and I, let's hit the let's hit the way back machine. Back when Jobs was still kicking it at Apple, and in full evil Jobs force, he went around to every single carrier, starting with Verizon, and said, "Here's our product." We'd like to sell it on your wireless network. And then as soon as the conversation got too great, we'd like to preload our applications and do things like carrier IQ. Does everybody in the chat room who's giving me a hard time about iOS being a spy device, does everybody remember carrier IQ? Because that got loaded up on our free phones and that was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what carrier IQ is, go Google that because your device probably yeah. still has it. So, so Apple said, 
no, go screw yourself, and they walked. And they ended up going to the smallest wireless carrier in America, and that was Singular. They were the small fry that everybody thought was a joke, and they were the only ones willing to take Apple up on their offer. And, and then we all know what happened to Singular. They, they blew yeah. up, and they became AT&T. And now, to this day, Apple rolls into Verizon store, and it's not shitted up with a bunch of Verizon apps. And when they roll into Sprint, you don't get your Sprint sportscast broadcasted to your iPhone, <laughs> right? It, it, they still, to this day, say, go Go f yourself, and even in China, they just blew off a, ch- a deal with the biggest manu- with the biggest wireless carrier in China because they wanted to load it up with some crap. And right. Google has never, never had but, the balls to do that. In fact, Google sells it on the exact opposite, just like Ubuntu Touch is going to. Yeah. They sell it on shit it up all you want. And in fact, shit it up so bad you can never get an update ever. You can have the top of the line number one Android phone, best built phone ever, still being sold as a top of the line phone and it will never get an update. We don't care. And that is a complete F you to the users. That is an F you. That is disregarding every lesson we have learned about internet security, about software update, about platform maintenance, and about being a good steward of a platform and pushing it forward so that way developers can take advantage of new features. They forfeited all of it just for market share because they want the information. And and at the end of the day, that really upsets me. Oh, yeah. No, I, I can understand being upset by it, but I think you've got to understand the motivation behind it. Apple's motivation for doing that is not to benefit the user. It is because they're purist and they want it to have it their way, and that's how they've always been. Think that's different. Right. It's can, all about I their agree, approach. But doesn't that exactly but, line up with a customer's needs? Oh, it In does. this case, this, not yeah. always. I mean, it can lead them down no, routes. It's definitely it's not- an important – and it's an important thing that people need to know. I think that's an important differential that when people are making the decision what phone to get, they need to know this stuff. That's I mean, basically, really important. I yeah. feel like every Android device – sold in the store, should have a big warning label on it that says, warning, in six months to a year, this will be a walking exploit in your pocket. This will not get updates. This is a security flaw. If you want a good device that's updated, please go to play.google.com and buy it there. Or check out CyanogenMod. I mean, that every Android yeah, box no, needs I'm to have that disclaimer that. because when I bought my Android device, I assumed I would at least get six months worth of updates. I got no idea. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But you know what? Tomorrow, every freaking iPhone user for the last three years is getting iOS 7. And there's no reason Android can't do that. Well, I suspect also, that... You see, the thing about Apple is that they have the ability to, to tell, the, uh, tell the carriers to just bend them to their will, uh, unlike Google, who has it the other way around. That's crap. Apple Google had that power. power. Google just didn't want to exercise it because they wanted the market share. They could have stuck to it. But, you know, the other thing was is their product wasn't good enough. I mean, if we go back to the G1, let's be honest, that was not no, good the enough. The G1 was garbage. It wasn't There's really till the Droid, right, that, that Android really was usable. I mean, that's when I switched. And I suppose so, yes. So, I mean, I, I feel like they torpedoed their users to compete with Apple. Well, and I think part of the differences, too, is that Google is interested in their penetration into the market at all costs as much as possible. And that's, that's their goal. Market, 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 market. Where Apple is ideology, ideology, ideology. You know, that, that's, and and it's, in this particular case, it aligns with good user experience, and that's great. Um, so, I mean, and I, but I do agree with the whole disclosure thing. I think that's important. But I know better than to think. I I I'm, I think that we got lucky with Apple in that it just happened to fall into our benefit. And maybe maybe they're even smart enough know. to realize think, that. Maybe. You know, I, don't know. I think what Apple. I think honestly, yeah. what did it in a big part was Steve Jobs wanted to be able Absolutely. to get everybody to push the latest features out. But they sure. they they wanted essentially this update thing because when you look at it right now, it's something like 
some ridiculous stat like distributor to the android os see this is the problem though they could have they could have in the light they could have structured the licensing the way microsoft structures the windows phone licensing where they allow for some time but it was if it's within the contract that they have to meet a certain window and i think that would have been completely appropriate and it and it's microsoft learning from 25 plus years in the pc licensing business how to handle this and the reason why apple wanted to have a pristine os on there is that way they could push out the updates and the reason isn't just security because this probably isn't their primary motivator the it's reason gone. is is because they want developers to target the new features, which is a massive train wreck on Android. And they're now beginning to fix it with the Play API, which is, by the way, completely closed source. So great. They're fixing this fragmentation problem with more closed source software. Yay, Google. Way to go. And so, but in the meantime, every, every, like, it's like something like 95% of iPhones run the latest OS. That yeah. gives developers this massive opportunity for creating brand new feature-rich applications that take advantage of everything these new OSs and phones can do. That isn't as, that is not as optional on Android. And it is just yet another it's not so it's not just the security thing. It's the feature, it's the end user, and it's about getting the investment out of my $600 device. I would agree. I would even go so far as to say I suspect at some point you're going to see toward individual hardware manufacturers a couple of class action lawsuits. I'd say the odds are fairly reasonable in that regard just because there's not a, there's a lot of marketing promises that make it sound like this is going to constantly be updated when in fact that's not the case. That's for a court to decide. I don't know. But I suspect that it's probably going to end up taking care of itself at some point because eventually people will have enough and will have to make that decision of, wow, I'm not buying that model. I'm not buying HTC again or I'm not buying Motorola again or whatever it may be. They're going to have to make those choices you know, based on those experiences. must have you know, an update repository. So then future phones will fill this void of com- mm. like security void. They will eventually have repositories that you can update the kernel or operating system, but right now, it's a void. That's up to that's up to Google if they want to do that or not. Well, here's an interesting idea that Dream Dream points out. Like, if HTC One sold me like this overall, not warranty, but like if I could pay HTC thirty five dollars or whatever, kind of like you know you go buy a new you know a new OS. If -hmm. I could buy the new OS for my HTC One, like I would buy it for a computer. Sure. I would do that. I would I totally would do that. And I think that would actually be it, not an ideal solution, but it's totally when I would – it's at least a workable solution. When I think squeaky wheel gets the grease, I think if pe- if, we, if people continue to educate non-aware folks of this situation to where they can then become noisy about it, then I think we might begin seeing these changes. But I think that's the thing. The best thing we can do right now is to make people aware of it, not to say you should go one direction or the other, but to be like, hey, by the way, when you're buying your phone – are you asking these questions and are you, you know, implementing that into your decision? Because I think that's an important thing but to you, do. But you can have company, company A, company B, company C, mm-hmm. and they're all going to have different business models. Um, the way that yeah. they're successful is um, either they have great marketing and or um, their, their uh, business plan or their, their direction aligns with customers' needs and wants mm-hmm. um, or they just have a fantastic product. Right. You know what would yeah. be, be nice is if Google – in their contract, like with HTC and Samsung said, after a year, you know, you have to release X to the community so that way they can maintain it or something. Because, no, That'd I, be great. well, I, I, well no, I mean, I think awesome. CyanogenMod and Google Play devices and Nexus devices are not a good enough answer because they only apply to the people that are in our IRC and on this mumble server and listening to this podcast. They don't apply to our, you know, to the immediate group outside the tech circle. There is right. a solution to that, though. Like, like with, for example, ne- Nexus devices could if they 
the reason people don't buy Nexus devices is because they're too expensive, and they're not even that expensive. They're like an extra hundred fifty, hundred maybe. Mm-hmm. But if you ha- if they had a, a plan where you could buy the the Nexus devices from Google on a monthly basis, just kind of like the jump plans or something like that, then a lot of people would see that as a, a much better option, and then people would have phones that are not that are not like mine, where it took eighteen months to get an update. Yes, however. I don't think Google can actually do that because that would require them to sell the phone through the carrier. Yeah. And the carrier is not going to want them to not put the carrier software on there. It all comes back to that original deal. It all hinges on that. That is why Google sells the phone separately. I'm convinced. Yeah. And I think all of this goes back to the evolution of the smartphone market. Apple with Steve Jobs took a risk by not selling it to these carriers that wanted to put their crapware on it. And I think because he was the, they were the first ones to the market that they had the ability to say no and not just you know install the crapware and go for market penetration because they were there pretty much first. They also so they were bind. able to do he that, and as soon as they rose to power, now they have the market by the balls, and they can say, "Well, Verizon, they're selling you know the iPhone in massive quantities over at AT and T." If you want to sell it, you can't put your crapware on it. And they sort of have Verizon by the balls now because they don't want customers to go to AT&T. Yeah, it mm-hmm. took them like two to three years to get and so I Verizon. And so I think that's how they had the handle, whereas Google came late to the party, just like Ubuntu Phone is, and now they really need to cater to the carrier so that they can push their phone everywhere mm-hmm. and try and gain market capitalization, right. whereas Apple already had this. I mean, we see what Google had to do reflected in what Ubuntu Touch has to do, only magnified, right? I mean, they have this massive carrier advisory group, and they're literally pitching it as carrier as a carrier-customizable platform yeah. where you slot in your own services. In fact, yeah. one of the quote-unquote features is that you can put your own app store in there you can put your own you know media back into it um but that sounds worse than google (laughs) yeah exactly it does it does it does and i guess the thing is i have to ask myself is if if we're getting to the point where uh for some of us like you know we could get the nexus devices you know and we can get the signage and mods and we can make buy we can make do we're we're fortunate like that but uh, what do we do for everybody else like i mean this is a problem where i feel like I don't know because I see an opportunity for a business and or a found, or a nonprofit foundation. One or the other. Very unfortunate. Very yeah. unfortunate. And it sounds like they're trying to go back and retroactively fix this by making all of their Google applications a separate package from the OS now. Right. And it sounds like, you know, they acknowledge that they kind of screwed up on the deal where they let carriers and let vendors customize the phone OS and now they want to distribute their apps separately. And that controls most of the software functionality on the phone. So now you can get updates to most of the core applications. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you still can't get complete core OS updates. You right. can't get kernel updates necessarily. Right. But at least you get the Google and, apps. To and you get some security updates, but not necessarily all yeah, security. You don't get yeah. them all. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's not a good. It's, it's not a good at, solution. At least you get the Chrome browser updates, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's <laughs> probably one of the most important things that they're yeah. going to be giving out with that. Yeah. But I think if enough story. geeks get passionate about this enough to where they want to come together and they want to look at the uh, the more open source, you know, centric solutions like what you're talking about in our community, if that gets to be loud and scary enough and enough people care, I think eventually you're going to see some some entity catering to that at some level. It's not going to appeal to Joe Average, but to you know to people to geeks that do care about these things, you know, I think it'll take care of itself. So then why do we have, so all this sounds completely reasonable. So then why do we have things in our community like Ubuntu shame, iPhone shame? Why do we, why is there this, why is there this lack of critical analysis on Google? And, and why is there this sort of pre, pre, um, assumption that, 
you know, somebody must be an idiot if they're using the iPhone. They must be oh, it's naive. because we're it's honestly and pardon my French, but we're fart sniffers. Uh, geeks as a whole, spe- you know, especially Android geeks, <laughs> and, and 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 they are. It's like, well, you know, clearly yeah. I'm I know what I'm doing. You're an idiot. Um, well, clearly, I, I see the benefits and the and the functionality benefits of using the platform I'm using, and I'm 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 their king in that regard because I look at Android and then I look at iPhone. And I'm like, Ugh. yeah, right. You oh, know? I, I can understand yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and so that I get in that mindset, and so I will be your representative, you know, tool bag here, and and pointing out that I walk around looking at iPhone users and going, oh God, why the hell would you use that? Not really stopping to consider there are. In fact, some advantages to it, and I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that. So I think that as a whole, as a community, a lot of Android folks do fall into that. You know, a lot of people have a popularity exactly. problem with it. But I did use an iPhone for a long time, so I can back it up and not just say I'm just talking Android. I, you know, I, yeah. I used, the, you know, I, I've been, I walked that path. It had it's, its all about your personal benefits, preferences. It's about yeah. your personal preferences and your needs, and mm-hmm. if you're going to use what fits your needs, not Definitely. because it's popular. I mean, I know people go out and buy new phones because right. oh, it's the new hotness, mm-hmm. but no, I mean, no. it's 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 what it's what you need, and and people as uh, us as a community, or maybe not us, but people in general, should really just stop hating on other people just for the sake of hating on other people because they're using something different. Mm. That you, or look down on. Mm-hmm. Instead of the grass is always greener, the grass is always browner on the other side. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think for geeks and our people in our community, I think that's absolutely true. I think yeah. for Joe Average, I would absolutely say 120% people buy the latest idiot thing on the television. Mm-hmm. J- just average people. I see yeah. it all the time with the young my nephews, poster child. Oh my god, you see that one phone? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the hell it does, but god, it looks great. I gotta mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah, you got those you, types of folks as well. Yeah, non-tech savvy yeah, people but, yeah. purchasing new hardware that they, they exactly. don't really know what's what's going on. <laughs> Don't even on, need it. Yeah, things like that. Or um, here, here does here's something that that doesn't really help uh, um, help the case is you have um, the marketing, the commercials. That's that. Uh, what was it? I think it was one of the Samsung's commercials that was showing like the old folks in line waiting for right. yes. you know, yeah, waiting for the iPhone. For the that was thing. awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, that and that kids pay apps? attention to that. Believe me, they really do. Yeah. You you asked my nephew. He's 16 years old. Would you want a brand new iPhone or would you want my used Note 2? There is not even a conversation there. He wants the Note 2 because that's what he's been told is awesome. He's been told the iPhone is something dinosaurs use. Well, all you know, right. And it sucks, I, but you know. The geek community goes. As far as the geek community goes, I think there's a stigma attached with something popular because uh, I mean, what I'm saying is Ubuntu is popular, Apple uh, iOS is popular. That's why yeah. we must hate it. We must always root for Luke Skywalker, <laughs> right. the underdog. Dave. That's true. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I consider that. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. I think. Uh, I think I want to. You know, I think maybe for a future conversation, I want to talk about how uh, a lot of these open platforms end up saving their data back to closed cl- closed source programs and platforms mm-hmm. that are are really generally meant for tracking users, but I think that could be a conversation for a future episode. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, good, cool. good on you. Thanks for kicking that around. And I, you know, I leave it, uh, I leave it kind of buttoned up with, you know, I'm, I, 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 I'm left with, I try to, I try to find the Zen of the situation and tell myself that honestly, the HTC one, which is running four, one, two does everything I need really. I mean, there's nothing like in the new updates that I have to have. Sure. And uh, I'm per- I'm trying to be careful, although I did just get recent- recently a bit with with spyware crap. But I try to be careful and studious, and so it's not really functionally. It's you know if there if there was something really confidential and secret that I didn't want logged by Google, I'd probably right. just not put it on my phone. Well, and as someone is myself who is I would say I'm reasonably new to Android, so I, I can still be kind of a newbie in this regard. What's your view on things like Lookout and and anti, and anti uh, you know, yeah. security software? Is it crap? No, is I mean, it, no, I mean, I tried it. Good, I had uh, yeah. um, 
Because I have no idea. I mean, like, this is all new to me. No, <laughs> I, I used one of those programs actually to clean it up. I had a, I okay. have a program on here that scans it, and it went through and found it and cleaned it up for me. So, I mean, they don't seem to be totally totally a, a waste, okay. but um, just, it seems so ridiculous, yeah. I guess. It is, yeah. And that's what puts all the overhead on my old phone. You know, you were talking about how it was slow. That's that's where a lot of the overhead comes from is running Lookout. And I and it's it seemed to have kept my phone. It actually caught me from keeping a few things off my phone, as a matter of fact. I, but, I remember when but, I switched, because yeah. I, I, I followed the same path that you followed. I even tried yeah. Windows Phone, you know, like the old, I had an old HTC Windows Phone that was just like this ridiculous joke. Uh <laughs> Nice. And so when the iPhone came, I was impressed and I got uh, like, the, I didn't buy the first one because I, I was like, no way I'm going to buy first gen Apple anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I got like the, the 3GS. I can't remember. Yeah, three, yeah. I got somewhere around in there and I remember thinking it was pretty good and I waited until the droid came out on Verizon. And then when the right. droid came out, I remember switching and thinking, God, this feels like an actual computer. Like this, right, is, exactly. this is like, a, you yep. know, and that was my feeling. So I... Uh, Android fits my user style, my, the style, I'm a, I'm a power user. Android fits that better. And I have options out there like CyanogenMod, you know, just like I can use encryption to, and I can use BitMessage or whatever, right? Like I have all these options. I just, I I wish that when we just stop at the end of the day, I wish we would just think a little more critically about some of it. Well, and I'm holding out a lot of hope more and more for Firefox OS. I really want to see this be the solution with a company behind it. That's going to keep even the if, value. Even if you Firefox know? OS is great, you've got you've got a couple of years of. Uh, oh, it's going to be a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. You got a but, couple. But of I'm, years. I'm holding that hope long term. I'm thinking long game here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I want to read a couple of emails before we run. Uh, Peter wrote into the show. He says, uh, "Hi, Matt and Chris. I just uh, backed a zero AD on uh, Indiegogo, and then later had my co- credit card compromised by a payment made to Samsung Telecom in the U.S. That's pretty strange, since I'm based out of the U.K. and I've had no other U.S. transactions except for Indiegogo." Who knows? Uh, he says, but uh, by the way, I also moved to Mint 15 and the Chrome browser on all my machines. Steam was the last thing holding me back from Linux. I don't think Linux games are cheap, or gamers are cheap, going back to our conversation from a few episodes ago. In my case, I already own most of the games. That I was wanted, my thought. Yeah. yeah, and then, of course, when he moved over, he just downloaded them on the Linux version. And uh, what we kind of sussed out, I don't remember how we got to the bottom of this. I think somebody wrote into the show. Steam, it's not just the survey. So Steam collects usage stats via that survey, but then also um, after you've played a game on a certain operating system after a certain amount of time, it also then logs you on that operating system. So if you have a bunch of games that you bought on the Windows side, all of those purchases are counted for Windows. And then when you move over to Linux, which probably some people are doing, and you re-download them, it's not until you've played each one of those games for a certain amount of time that they're still counted as a Linux user. Oh, so that's a double whammy then. Yeah. Okay. And then he had a question after being bit by that uh, credit card problem they had. He said, can you guys recommend what internet security software I should be using? On the now syncing Windows platform, I used a combination of McAfee and SpyBot Search and Destroy. Thanks in advance, Peter. So Is he uh, asking about security software for, for Linux? Linux? Yeah. For Linux. Uh, well. I, I would, I mean, no. Uh, a good firewall? <laughs> yeah. So here's what I would say. Don't run as root, which, you, which you're not probably, on uh, Mint 15. And... Um, Use really good passwords everywhere. Maybe use something like KeyPass or LastPass, my personal favorite. Don't execute random commands or random binaries or things of that sort. I would say the most important security precaution you could take on Linux is don't run random binaries, like Mm -hmm. Matt just said, and use a different password for every website. Yeah, yeah, that's really. Oh, oh, and uh, don't and don't install Java. That would be another. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, don't 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 use Java unless you need to. Yeah, and don't bother with the browser plugin if you don't need to. Right? Don't. Yeah, that's a good one. Why not? Um, and yeah, and just then like uh, common sense. Jedediah say in the chat in the chat, 
keep your updates. Keep your, you know, stay current with the OS updates. And when Mint 15 stops getting updates, you know, just remember that on Mint, you're going to do a full reload and you're going to upgrade. You're not, there's not an upgrade path. You're going to load the next version. But I mean, let's be honest, sometimes it's good to start clean. And if you're really, really concerned about, you know, uh, that's the elephant in the room, of course, is people that surf adult content. If you're going to be one of those guys, and believe, I, as a so if you're gonna be a guy. repair guy, yeah, I dealt with a lot of, <laughs> a lot of men, a lot of married men that came in begging for help. <laughs> and, and I actually had a special assume. program for them. It's called the live CD or the live USB without writable options. I'm like telling a, you. What about like a porn VM? I never thought about this. I just thought of a great business, like totally just go all QVC with it. Okay, right, anyway. like a porn VM that lives inside a True Crypt volume, right? Okay. Shows so, the wife coming in, uh-oh, are you busted again? He's all, uh-huh. Now you can have oh, another, man. here's oh, the man. pitch. Now you can have another right. computer in your computer and it's encrypted. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Call it the porn box and it's based on virtual box. <laughs> Prawn OS. Oh my god, that's brilliant! I'm on this. This is going to happen. Uh, this is the next money maker. <laughs> I have no ethics. Yeah, it's fine. let's do it. All right. uh, distributed <laughs> via BitTorrent, right? Um, yeah, all sure. right. Uh, so I had. Let's see. I, I think I, I didn't. I have another one. I just accidentally closed it. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad Uh-oh. person. I just closed the other email. Sorry about that. So, uh, but I'll look for. Uh, okay. And I got off on a tangent. I got all excited but talking about Prawn. It gets me going. I so. did have a bit message. It's here. So here's the Arch Challenge follow up. Uh, this came from Carl. He says, "Hi, Chris and Matt. I started to watch the show about three months ago, and I've been a fan ever since. I know I'm a bit late to the Arch Challenge, but I wanted to mention it anyways. First, I should say that the first Linux I installed was Slackware 2.0. Hmm. Okay. So that's that's okay. that's quite a while ago. But uh oh, this word takes this word goes south. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a but. Uh, but after moving to Apple for a good ten years, I forgot most of it. Uh, anyway, I saw the episode with the Arch Challenge, and I thought, yeah, I should give it a go. So I did install of Arch, and when I first came out and got it started, I was a little disappointed when I found out there wasn't an installer. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of well. There is and there isn't. Uh, I'll should get we have later. not? I mean. When, there I did is not, in a separate ISO, but yeah, oh, not officially. I yeah. just, I didn't, when we did the Arch Challenge, I didn't mean for somebody that to take the Arch Challenge that was at that level. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, Because like, if you didn't know that too, about Arch, I didn't, well, it wasn't intended for you. So I'm impressed that he went for it, especially after living on the Mac for 10 years. So good on, good on you, Carl. Uh, so he goes on to say, I did the Arch install and um, after, after three tries, <laughs> I succeeded and now I'm running Arch. Uh, and he's sticking with it. The bad wow. point about this, and here's the downside, he says to Arch, and, and actually I have found this to be the major disadvantage to Arch too, and I'm wondering if you uh, agree, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says the bad point is now he can't go back to any other distro because there's no match for Arch. Uh, you know, I would say that for it depends on the person. For me, I dual-booted Arch and Manjaro for a long time. And just because I wanted to really understand oh, I, I that, that, what that was going to be like, yeah. You know, from a meta standpoint, I consider Arch, Manjaro, Shakaraka, yeah. Linux, all that to kind of be the. Yeah, I, I, d- I did found some. Disti- there's definitely some differences. Oh, yeah? There's definitely some differences. Oh. I would absolutely say Manjaro is totally not Arch. It just happens to share some similarities. So does that but, bit you now? Does that yeah. bit you? Did that bite you in the butt? Um, honestly, no. I, you know, I, you know, with Arch, I just kind of, it's, I think it's actually still in the partition. I just hardly ever use it. But with Manjaro, it's like all the stuff that I was reading that was negative or they screwed this up or screwed that up. As long as you're on the mailing list and you pay attention, you know, I mean, and they, and, and yes, it is officially they say it's Arch, but there's some, they use their own repos. There's a lot of there are things okay. that they do do completely differently, okay. age software, that sort of thing. But it's kind of like for it's, and you know, like it's Arch for people who don't care, care about security. I would say it's for people that don't, 
really aren't paranoid about security. I'd say it's a more accurate statement. Yes, it's it's Is often it, a month I mean, or two older, but I've that's yet probably to still fresher than a lot of distros. Yeah, well, yeah. and on all these horror stories I've read are generally there's never anything to really back up an actual use case scenario. So based on my own usage, I would say that Arch is awesome. And if you want to go that route, go that. But as far as Manjaro being scary, uh, bullshit. <laughs> Sorry, it's just that's bull. I, 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 you know, I look I, at I it like – a single problem with it. As, or neither with Arch either. So, so. you and I have been um, – yeah. um, you and I off, off, uh, off camera talked a little bit recently about preparing for the Ubuntu 13.10 review. Yeah, yeah. And the problem I have with it is uh, – now, I, I got a good way to do this because I've got on the Bonobes – I've got USB three, and I got a um, I got a USB three uh, one terabyte drive, and it's one of those yeah. h- hybrid drives that has SSD and 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 then the so it's it's pretty fast, and I'll load Ubuntu on that, and sure, sure. you know I'll I'll be fine. I'm not looking forward to it at all, and not because I mean honestly, I mean, remember I used to run it. That was my previous distro, but what it really is for me, and I know I've said this a lot, and it's so funny because it's what I was like. Pfft. R A what's A U R? That's what I was like. Right, right, A U R. Yeah. No, dude. It's That's all about all the A U R. It's all about it because at the end of the day, KDE is KDE. Gnome is Gnome. It doesn't matter what you know. You put you put your theme on it. You set your background. You load your favorite apps. They're all the same. Yeah. But the AUR, buddy, I mean, like, you know. That was that was it for, it for me, and that's what, you know, let's say Majero disappears tomorrow. That's not a big deal. I still got the Arch installed. Just roll back to it. No biggie. That, for me, it was the AUR experience that I cared about. I The the Arch way is awesome. I just don't care. Um, you know, what I cared about was the, you know, the Arch user repository. That's what sold me on the experience in general, whether it be whatever it is, you know, what, whatever the distro is that happens to embrace that as long oh, as it does it seamlessly. Hey, Matt. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, President Obama is here. He, Hello, everybody. Uh, he wanted me to make a point oh, hey, that uh, hey, he, Mr. Obama, how he wanted doing? me to mention that Gen 2 is awesome and that Gen oh. 2 is incredible. Um, there. <laughs> we have fulfilled our well, duty. If, you know, if, if, if our president says that it's awesome, then clearly, yeah. you know. I guess, Obama's, I, I guess Obama's a big Gen 2 user. Who knew? Okay. I, you'd think he'd be busier than that. You'd think I thought he was an Apple guy, but, yeah. you know, it's yeah. good to know. Uh, he also says, by the way, he's loving the new show. And uh, right he on. also just wanted to point out that he liked the Star Trek segment. Just oh, no kidding. Just oh, saying. he's a Star Trek fan. All we right. got, we cool. got a Star Trek fan. We got a Star Trek <laughs> fan. And he sent that in. Carl sent that in via BitMessage. Uh, and we have the BitMessage uh-huh. address in the Linux Action Show show mm-hmm. notes. Um, I'm going to just uh, mumble room. Just one quick yeah. uh, shout to you guys. If there's anything you guys want to touch on, if anybody had the last thing on the tip of their tongue before we run, uh, now is yeah, your chance. I wanted to say was uh, why can't System76 just make phones? And Gosh. We'll or, put whatever we want on it. Or do oh, ta- yeah. I'm saying I'm thinking more like a tablet. I think a tablet it would be awesome. Phone, tablet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tablet. Yeah. There would be a use for Gnome 3 and, Ubuntu and Unity and all that. So. I, I, you know, one of the things that That's we, true. one of the things we got a little, little, uh, little S for last week, Matt was, we talked about that. Remember that block phone where like each thing. Was oh, see, that's where I'm. That's where mm-hmm. uh, that with Firefox OS. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I, I mean, I have to be honest. I mean, I, I acknowledge that's pretty impractical that that thing's going to ship. And even when it did ship, like it might not really work out really that well. But I, I love to just think about that in a different way. And when you think about a hardware platform like that, I mean, one of the things that really makes me sad about what is apparently a self-fulfilling prophecy of the post PC era, because 
PC manufacturers can't figure out how to make computers people want to actually spend their money on. I, right. I love the idea that we all pretend like we haven't just had this global economic meltdown and that nobody's got as much money as they used to have and that everybody, in the, in, at least in the middle class, that is the, is the bulk of people who buy these machines is struggling. But let's mm-hmm. all pretend like instead it's tablets that's causing the sales to drop down, right? No, it's the fact that everybody's money is a little more precious and I'm not going to spend it unless you give me something to pay for that I sure. really, really want. It's so more it's, about – yeah, it's value-driven. So instead they make these cheap tablets. That's fine. Whatever. I'm not going to get all worked up about it. But what, what pains me about the loss of the PC is this build it yourself if you want option and load mm-hmm. any OS you want option. And I want that same and, – and that's what That'd I loved about cool. the block phone, right? I mean even yeah. if it doesn't happen, I love that it was just making us think about a future where that kind of possibility existed. Where you have the choice of deciding not only what hardware is going to go into it, but also what operating system and what software you're going to plug into it. To where you, if you, if something screws up, it was your fault because <laughs> you did it, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Democracy of a phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I have a question. How is it going to be different than how is it now? Because you still, I mean, if it's a lot easier to install Cyanogen or whatever on it. Uh, you still have uh, 95% users being Windows. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, just like that, you still have a certain percentage being Android, certain percentage being iOS. Mm-hmm. If you want to uh, load another OS, you still have to do a lot of work. You have to install it yourself. So we'd be back at, in the same position if that was Well, that's option. where other third-party companies would come in. That's You'd what I'm thinking. Those little stores down the road that would unlock your phone that would say, do you want to try something else? We'll do it for you overnight, if you like, mm. or mm-hmm. in the next five Nailed days, it. whatever. Yep. Exactly. Well, I mean, think about go, going back to System 76. You could have vendors like System 76 that take the hardware, either they custom build it or they take an OEM product and they create a solution around it. And then they, they put the OS that that market wants, right? And then they support it and they back it up and they build a whole business around it. You could have that. So, yes, I mean. I, so are you taking this to Danica then? <laughs> hey, there's a here's a new business idea. <laughs> yeah, hey, right. baby. <laughs> my question, my question is, I like that. Uh, why would that? Why hasn't that happened? I mean, that hasn't happened on PCs yet. Why would that be more possible on the phone? Well, isn't isn't aren't companies like System Seventy Six and Za Reason um, examples of that happening? Yes. Right, but they're not as popular. They're nowhere near as popular as they should be. Or well, yeah. Could be. Windows still controls the market. Linux is still one percent. I mean, Windows Vista has more market share than. Well, than I mean, basically, it would, sh- it would shut us all up, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, we're we going to have to be moaning about this. Well, let's we just move over to a System Seventy Six, or there's actually something out now called the Open Moco device. Yeah, well, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I, 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 I think some of this. I mean, we got to scratch our gay beards here for a second and and look at his uh, conference <laughs> keynote that he just gave that we're going to talk about more on Sunday. Uh, you know, he says Linux is the future of gaming. I don't. I mean, who knows if he's right, but. I've been saying now for a while that as Microsoft just continues to screw it up real bad, and they're going to just keep screwing it up because they have to because that's the direction they got to move in. And you just wait for Apple. Man, they are going to bone the Mac desktop like nobody's business. You just wait till they iOS that thing and put ARM in, it, in, in their machines. Everybody's going to need – everybody who needs a truck is going to have to bail. And – Good old Linux is going to be there with System D and Wayland and great right. video drivers and Steam and hopefully a desktop that is usable. Right. And I really think that while these are today's problems, these might be solved in 2015, 2016 and beginning to be solved in 2014. Well, they're already well, starting to be solved. Exactly. How I said that everything is going to be, you know, thin client, remote, that like remote processing of everything. Mm-hmm. And only thin clients. 
I hope not. Microsoft will eventually do that and screw us. And that's what and Chrome and OS is going to be, and that's what Android is going that's to be. Their, that's their yeah, value yeah. proposition. Yes. Yeah. I think everyone just ha- should have like a little NAS in the corner. Cryptography. Mm-hmm. All cryptography's math is correct. The implementations, sometimes right. buggy. But right. the math of crypto <laughs> is correct. Yep. Don't worry about being tinfoil hatty about it. So I, I leave us on that point. I mean, like uh, we have some today problems with Android that really bother me. Um, and and I'm not actually sure that we've even scratched the surface of this conversation around Google, Android, cloud services, monitoring and all of that. But I think what we do see is solutions that are being created, right? We see solutions in the PC industry that might actually end up being a lot of people's salvation. And we might eventually, with things like Sailfish, Ubuntu, well, and Firefox OS, I think we'll see solutions there too. And, you know, we'll just talk about them as they come up. But as of right now, I don't begrudge anybody for going out on Friday and buying themselves an iPhone. I say good on you. I'll be happy with my HTC One. I'm going to stick with it for at least now. I don't know. I could see you hanging out in a, hanging out in a car somewhere with a hoodie and sunglasses and a baseball bat <laughs> watching for folks at the Verizon store. <laughs> with sunglasses on. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that too. All right, Mumble Room. Well, thanks you guys for uh, joining us. Hey, uh, you, uh, you guys in the download audience, if you want to join us live, you can. Uh, we do this on uh, Tuesdays over at jblive.tv at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, which uh, I believe clocks in at like 9 p.m. UTC. If you want to join us over at jblive.tv or jblive.info, we have a Mumble server, which you can participate in, or we have an IRC chat room, and uh, we watch that too. And then we also have a little uh, pre and post show that uh, is pretty great. And uh, don't forget to tune into this Sunday's Linux Action Show. we got a big show coming up. I am going to talk a little bit about uh, – there's a topic that's been coming up and up, up and over and over again – is this building the personal cloud, right? Building your own cloud on your LAN because that's really the most secure, but it's not just about security. It's also about reliability, performance, and it's about being able to, for example, my house could be a, my house is a big Netflix house, but Netflix doesn't run so good on the Linux. So we've been moving that in the house. If there's a series the family likes, I rip it and I put it on the server for them. There's a lot of things you can bring into the internal cloud, but how do you protect that home cloud? Well, one of the oldest standing popular topics on Linux Action Show goes back to the very first couple of episodes is firewalls. This Sunday, we're going to retackle that topic, also bring back some of the things we've talked about, cover Gabe's speech at uh, the Linux Con and a whole bunch of other stuff, Matt. So I think we're going to have ourselves a great show. Oh, I'm excited about it. There's some great topics in there. And you're fresh back from a little trip. That's awesome. And I had Saturday yeah. and Sunday off. That was that was actually quite nice. And you know, I was even able to play our pre-show from Friday on Sunday's live show. So people who showed up on Sunday still got to see a little no bit kidding. of live. That's experience. awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was good for them. Yeah. All right, everyone, don't forget you can contact the show. You can go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, pop that contact link at the top of our show and choose unplugged from the drop-down box. Or even better, start a thread in our subreddit over at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. We check that out. All right, Matt, well, I'll see you on Sunday. I will see you on Sunday. Thanks. Yeah, thanks thanks to you, man. All right, everyone, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. See you right back here next Tuesday.